Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. As we are talking some masters on this episode of the pod, follow the podcast at full underscore slate underscore pod. Our guy Alex Uplinger managing the account. And uh, going to bring on Lucha Larry, Bill Christie at Larry's Locks 2 on Gambling Twitter. Normally do some college basketball with him, but he's a golf guy as well. So hopefully able to link up for all four majors this year here on Full Slate and handicap them to the best of our abilities. Uh, I call it Nance Week when we shift from the Final Four to the Masters. And uh, pretty soon the Serenity of Magnolia Lane takes center stage on the sports universe. Bill, what's going on, my guy? Not much, man. Just looking forward to a exciting week and weekend of the Masters. We got our our big guy, possibly, probably, 99.9% sure he's going to be teeing off at some point on Thursday. And I know you want to talk about that a little bit before we get into some of our plays here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can't talk about the Masters without talking about Tiger Woods and his availability for the weekend at Augusta. Certainly looked, well, I guess everybody's hoping that he's around for the weekend, but um, he's obviously trending towards playing, and we record on a Tuesday night into a Wednesday morning here, and everything seems to be in a positive direction for Tiger. And, you know, it's really interesting, Bill, because – with a lot of guys, you might think, eh, you know, 
uh, where's his game really at, you know, and nearly, you know, life-threatening type of car accident and, you know, trying to come back sporadically over the course of, you know, the last six, seven months. And now here we are at Augusta National and, you know, he's going to play the most prestigious event in the sport and not only play, but by all accounts, is entering in good form by those that have played practice rounds with him this week down there. And, you know, I know that there's plenty of star athletes that are divas and just like the attention. Tiger Woods doesn't strike me as one of those guys. He seems like the type that if if he's in it, he's in it because he himself believes he can win it or at the very least compete and play the weekend. And, you know, that's what I think he believes. I don't know that from a gambling standpoint, I have any real feel for what he'll do. Like, I don't think I'll really have a cent on anything Tiger Woods involved this week. But it makes the Masters a lot more fun. And I don't think there's a bigger draw individually to his sport. I mean, golf's an individual sport anyway. But even to this day, you know, as we are over 20 years into Tiger's professional career, uh, there's no bigger draw individually to any sport than Tiger Woods is to golf. Yeah, it's not even close. I saw one picture, I think it was yesterday, of a practice round. He was teeing off, and he had a full gallery. It looked like it was on Sunday, you know, going down the stretch in the last couple of holes um, where he's trying to close out the tournament. That's what it looked like in the photo. It was it was unbelievable. But like you said, he's he is the type of athlete. He's a Kobe Bryant. Like he's got that killer instinct that not only am I going into everything expecting to win, but if I can't, if I don't feel that way, then that's when I'm going to step aside. Like when Kobe retired, let's be real. Kobe could have played at least another three to five years if he wanted to. And probably yeah, I mean, better what, than drop 60 in his last game. Right. So like he could still do it, but he knew that, you know, whether it was mentally or physically, whatever it might be, that he couldn't give the game what he expects out of himself. And I believe well, well, that Kobe just didn't really seem like the type of guy. You remember those last few years of his career, he dealt with a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. The Lakers were bad. He just didn't really seem like the type of guy that, had any interest in sticking around for individual accolades if his team was going to be winning 25, 30 games. Right, exactly. And with Tiger. And it's the same thing with Tiger, right? Like, do we really think he's playing events to hang around the cut line and cling to hopes of maybe playing a weekend? No, because he he obviously doesn't need the money, right? Like, it's not about about that. To him, it's it's about – flat out winning. He's probably like if there was a way to categorize it, he's probably one of the top five most competitive people that have ever played a sport ever. Oh yeah. Um and so, you would think at like these types of athletes are the most competitive people in the world. Right, exactly. And yeah. you mentioned it, like it's it's not just any old tournament. Like he's he's going down to Augusta to play in the Masters. It's the home of the last major that he's right, won. Like, you know that and that's a thing. Like if if he were coming back in, you know, some, you know, event in, you know, New Mexico or whatever, you know, some mm-hmm. warm climate in 
February. Yeah, maybe that's more of a, a, a let's just see how this goes approach on Tiger's end. He's not taking that approach in a Masters. No, no. So, like, we obviously don't know what his preparation was, but you'd have to believe that whatever he was doing down in Jup- uh, Juniper or wherever he's at and and what he's done at Augusta the last few days since he's been there, like, again, like you said, every account that we've seen of folks that were down there watching the practice rounds um, or seeing him even on the range were all saying the same thing, that he is completely dialed in, that doesn't look like there's a hitch in his game at all. Um, you know, I think the biggest test for him um, if he does make the cut, which I think obviously we're all hoping he does, is how he's going to hold up on that uh, on that weekend, right? The on physical, that Saturday and that Sunday. physical exactly. shape of him by Sunday. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like to, to do a round of 18. Uh, okay, fine. I, I I think he's capable of it. He knows he's capable of it. He did it recently. But, but let me uh, ask but, you, because, you know, we both golf casually. Mm-hmm. Have you ever walked a round of 18 holes? Yeah. Yeah. Like normally I ride, but I've had at least one or two rounds where I've walked and like I come off the course after one round thinking, oh, damn, like that was more draining than I thought. And then, you know, these guys all have to wake up. I feel like this is something that, you know, if you don't walk around a golf in your life or Mm -hmm. if you're just not that into golf, you don't necessarily realize like the physical toll of four to five hours out there on the golf course, which is how long it takes to play, whether you're walking or riding usually. And then you're walking, you know, conditions obviously on the golf course are usually a little steamy. And, you know, I haven't looked at the weather for Augusta that much. Uh, But the idea is you got to then come back the next day. You know, you, you finish up your round of golf and you come back, 24 hours less than 24 hours later and do it all over again you know and and so that's the thing i feel like for tiger where it's like well when you're trying to ramp back up to a competitive level you have to be there physically for 72 holes in 96 hours you know and that's uh, easier said than done especially in your 40s exactly but hey no matter what i would never bet against the man so i'll probably be taking him to make the cut somewhere I was talking yeah, and that's before. the thing. Like, I was curious now. Now that we've talked about it, like, again, I'm I'm pretty unsure of mm-hmm. what we're gonna see. I I would love to get behind him come Sunday, but uh, what kind of tiger? Like, yeah. if you had to guess, like, are we gonna get this week? Yeah, like I'm not. I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him to have a top twenty, top forty finish. To be honest, I, I think. Uh, to me, in my mind, where I'd place my money at, um, the ceiling would be the cut. Like, I'd feel comfortable making that wager way more than I would at any type of top something finish. I just, he could do it. Like, he certainly could. Um, but I, I think that there's almost, I would put it at like a less than 5% chance that he finishes within the top five, top 10. Um, and that's not a knock on him. It's just that there's so many players in this tournament that are just so good and that are playing such great golf right now. And that have the track record here at Augusta that it's going to make it really, really tough um, for him to make that kind of push this year. I did, uh, as, uh, since I brought it up, take a look further at the weather 
It does look like uh, Thursday might be a little cooler. There's supposed to be some overnight thunderstorms Wednesday into Thursday, but it doesn't seem like anything that's going to massively impact Thursday's play as of now, again, other than some cooler conditions. And then uh, mid-70s and, uh, you know, sunny for the weekend, supposedly. So uh, looks like things will be uh, mostly clear uh, for, uh, well, upper 60s, mid-70s, I should say. Uh, and uh, winds ranging from 10 to 15 miles an hour. So, you know, something to consider, but it uh, doesn't seem like anything overbearing. Is that, you know, generally speaking, with weather, it's normally, if it's not drastic, we, we don't, I mean, I don't normally look at it a ton as long as it's not, you know, 20, 30 mile an hour winds, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm sorry? What was that? I'm sorry. I lost you. No, I was just talking about how it seems like the weather at Augusta is going to be mostly ideal, mid-60s, low-70s, winds ranging from 5 to 15 miles an hour. It doesn't seem like it's going to be too bad. A little cooler on Thursday. Just generally speaking, I'm at least in the camp of, okay, if the weather's not that extreme, I'm not going to kind of overplay my hand there in terms of my handicapping. Yeah, Yeah, the only time that ever really, like, impacts me is if we're seeing stuff – Weather-wise, like in the half of the day. Okay, I want to see what guys are getting out early. Right, and, and also, uh, I think the one major that we can maybe see higher variance weather in can be the Open Championship right. when they go across the pond. That's when you can get some windier conditions as well. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, let's get to it. We're just gonna run through uh, some guys we like, guys we don't like, buys and fades for the 2022 Masters. I'll get started uh, with. Uh, a guy at the top, uh, and it's going to be Brooks Kepka, uh, a guy that is just money in the bank at majors time and time again. And I, I basically like – I always like a, comf- a comfort level with the course, uh, particularly a course like Augusta uh, and, you know, where you don't have to worry about a guy being starstruck or just by the place or just having a hard time conquering the – most iconic place in the sport. And, you know, Brooks had a second place finish in 2019. As I said, overall, very reliable in majors and three recent top 20s coming in uh, for Brooks Kepka. So, uh, you know, he's at 20 to one in the outright market thereabout. Uh, and, you know, he's probably my favorite guy, you know, in that top tier price line. Seems like somebody that obviously is going to keep giving himself chances to win majors. He's in the prime of his career in his early thirties. So uh, I thoroughly expect him to be in the mix on Sunday. I'll just run through a couple of my other guys and we'll just kind of uh, go back and forth like that. Um, A couple guys in the uh, mid price range that I'm intrigued by. I'll start with a youngster and go with Will Zalatoris who finished second at this event last year and he was a master's rookie last year. And you know, that that's really an encouraging sign when you can come right to Augusta national and compete all the way to the bitter end with Tadeki Matsuyama last year. And um, the other thing that I like about Zal Torres, very good iron player and Augusta national has been known to be a second shot course. And, uh, Jordan Spieth, I mentioned him finishing second in his first his Masters debut. Well, he won 
the Masters the year after in 2015, and he should have won in 2016 as well. Uh, so I, I think that Zalatoris is a rising name in the sport that really is uh, worth keeping an eye on. So he's at 35 to one. And then I'll give one more before letting you jump in on a few of your guys. Uh, and I'll go with Russell Henley here at 35 to one as well. Uh, speaking of the iron players, uh, Russell Henley leads the tour in strokes gained on approach shots this year. And uh, again, Augusta being kind of a second shot course, I would like that element of Henley's game to translate into being in the fact, being in the mix on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, I feel like he's one of those guys in this grouping of mid-tier guys that maybe, you know, longer than 30 to 1, let's say, where he might not be the sexiest name, but he's playing just as well as some of the bigger name guys. So uh, Henley Kepka and Zalatoris, couple guys that jump for me to start. I know you have a few guys in that mid-range as well, as well as some guys at the top. So I'll let you jump in on a few of your guys. Uh, yeah, first I'd, I'll, I'll back you on on, the, uh, on Brooksy there. I'm definitely um, placing him uh, in some of my plays this week. Uh, and obviously I'm sure you're in a couple different pools. Uh, I have Brooks sprinkled into a couple different uh, lineups that I've submitted for various pools that I have. Like you said, he's just a monster uh, at the majors. Um, he's been playing good golf. You mentioned he's also had a decent track record um, here at Augusta. So I feel really comfortable with him uh, out of the gate. But I'm also buying uh, a couple other guys, not such big names. Uh, I'm on Kisner. I, li- I like the way Kiz has been playing. Um, he had a fourth-place finish to players. He followed that up, making the cut, finishing 33rd at the Valspar. And then most recently, he finished runner-up in the WGC Dell match play. He took last weekend off. He'll be well-rested. He'll be ready to go. Um, I'm seeing him around like minus 140 to make the cut. Uh, he's a guy that I don't want to take him like, kind of like similar to what I was saying about Tiger. I don't want to take him in a, in a top spot here. Um, I think he will be making the cut pretty comfortably. But as far as like a top finish, I just don't see anything um, – any signs that show me like, hey, uh, he's he seems like a lock for this number. He's got a 20, 21st place finish in 19. That was his his best finish here. Um, he sprinkled on a 28th finish, 37th, 43rd. So nothing outstanding, but uh, I think he'll be there on uh, Friday's cut line. So be backing kids a little bit. I'm also going to be backing a former Masters champion, Patrick Reed, um, I picked him up at plus 130 to finish within the top 30. Uh, he's not had the best year on tour so far, um, but he is coming off a top 30 finish, the players, uh, and he's got an absolutely tremendous track record here at Augusta. His last four starts, the Masters, he's finished in the top 10 three of those times, including that win back in 2018. Uh, he has all the tools to get the job done. Uh, and wear the green jacket. So it's again, I'm at plus money, plus 130 here to finish within the top 30. It, it seems like pretty much of a bargain to me. So I'll be riding Reed uh, and then just going up a little bit more here. Uh, a top 20 finish that I like at two to one uh, is Mark Leachman 
who's finished in the top 15 in three of his last four starts at Augusta. Uh, he's made the cut in five straight starts at Augusta, and that's always obviously the first step of of making yeah. it to these tops, whatever finishes. Um, he finished outside the number in, in his last two starts this season, but prior to that, he finished in the top 10 four of his last five, with the one miss being a 36th finish. Um, I think Leash gets back into his comfort zone here at Augusta again, a track that he's very familiar with, that he's very comfortable with, and the value of two to one on him, I couldn't pass it up. So there are a couple of the guys that I'm going to be buying early on. I know you want to ping it back to you a little bit here and get some more of your guys. Yeah, I mean, first off, I I, I, I hear you on Kevin Kisner, and I, I think he's one of those guys that, um, kind of like I was mentioned with Henley, where like you don't necessarily think of him as the biggest name, but you see him priced in an area with some former major champions usually. And he's kind of, I, I, I feel like he's somebody you just look up at and in maybe one or two majors a year, you just go, Oh, there's Kevin Kisner again. Like he always yeah. seems to be looming a little bit, you know, hanging around, giving himself a chance. Right. So, uh, and hey, you Greg, Greg, this ain't a hobby, man. This ain't no hobby. <laughs> That's a famous line by, by kids, man. That guy, Look, you're saying how he just kind of always seems to be in a mix, but he's never like a name, right? Like that's put up there with a Patrick Reed, with a with a Brooks Kepka, with a Bryson DeChambeau, um, and that's why. Like I don't I don't like taking him a lot of times to finish in a top tier, um, but to make the cut, like he's that good consistently, um, where I do like taking him in that's in those spots to make the cut. So I'm right there with you on that. Analysis. The other thing I was just curious on, uh, and and I should clarify, um, the reason we're a little more, at least I like to be a little more generic on this stuff, is because there are so many offerings out there when it comes to, you mentioned Reed with the top 30 play and Leishman mm-hmm. with the top 20 play and, you know, who, who you want to sprinkle on the outrights. You know, you can have a lot of fun with those because, you know, there's just such wide price ranges out there. Um, I just like like to I mean I haven't finalized my portfolio of like you can get into the matchups and the round mm-hmm. matchups and the you know I just the tourney matchups. So I haven't really you know dove all the way into some of that stuff and you know like to first kind of narrow it down to okay who do I like and then how do I go from there in terms of you know looking at the matchups and obviously the round matchups are stuff that will pop up as the tournament is played out and, you know, the top 20s, top 30s, it's just golf. Unlike other sports, there's just a wide swath of options that you can pick from. And so I mm-hmm. think uh, that sometimes can uh, in a way be a blessing and a curse because, you know, um, on one hand, you know, you mentioned like a, a read at uh, top 30, like that's great and all, but it, it, you know, with, with reads, history to Costa and a previous champion, like he's somebody that would suggest that there's like variants where he could be even like way better than the top. He could be the top five, you know? Sure. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, and, and conversely, we could see guys that are at the, you know, favorite, you know, post, you know, the, you know, 20 to one and shorter guys, there's probably going to be one or two of those guys that missed the cut. So, uh, it's kind of just the point I'm making is, uh, it can be difficult sometimes to uh, narrow down your options right away. And so I think that's, it's just, 
who do you like, who do you don't like, take a look at your books offerings and and go from there as far as your uh your best ways of playing those guys. But certainly in the case of Reed, if you're getting him at top 30 at plus money, I'm not going to complain with that. Right. And that's kind of how I look at it. I, I mean, like you said, you're, you're still kind of in the process of, of going through all your guys. I, I, I pretty much wrapped up my stuff last night. Um, and you mentioned matchups. I'm usually a guy that likes to take matchups. I just, I couldn't find anything um anywhere that i I've, that really really yeah, stood out to me you know like a guy like i like to typically play guys that i think are going to be a top 30 top 20 finish and also play them in a matchup with with somebody um right. but off the top of my head i can't think of who i saw Reed matched up with but it, i know it was another guy who that i was like, like I, I yeah i could see them and and nothing would make me more sick than to see both of those guys in the top 15 right. or top 20, yeah. you know, and, and Reed miss, losing by a stroke where I'm like, I could have gotten this guy for plus money and all he had to do was finish within the top whatever. So that that's kind of how mine ends up, my mind ends up breaking everything down. No, that makes um, sense. Yeah, before I make my selection. So good point on, on just giving people a backstory of, you know, kind of how the mental process goes leading up to when you finally make your decisions um, and again, that's just, I'm just kind of there because I've been doing so many days of, of master's research. It's probably my most exciting tournament of the season that I get geared up for. So, oh yeah, no, totally, totally get you on that. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, will definitely be on some matchups, maybe some top twenties, top thirties. Uh, but I love to sprinkle my guys in the outright market just because that's probably the biggest thing. Like if I have a guy that's live on Sunday and, and the guy wins, I don't have an outright ticket on him. I'm going to be furious. So yeah. I, I usually will play all my guys in the outright market and then figure it out from there. As far as top 20, top 30 matchups, make cut, miss cut it all depends on price. Uh, and you know, like for example, like the guys I like, which I'm a, who I'm about to get to that are long shots to win. I might look at their make cut, you know, because mm-hmm. if they're a long shot to win, that means they might just be even money to make the cut or something like that. So yep. anyway, carrying things over to, uh, and by the way, I'll, I'll carry things over to a guy that I like who, you know, the stat I like uh, is something that he shares with Patrick Reed. That's the Canadian Corey Connors mm. uh, because he's one of four players with top tens in each of the last two masters. The other three being Patrick Reed, uh, John Rahm and Cameron Smith. So that's really good company, I feel like. And mm-hmm. uh, you look at where Connors is priced at 55 to one outright. You know, that's again comparing it to those other guys that are, you know, in that have made, uh, excuse me, the uh, top 10 in the mm-hmm. last two Masters. It's, uh, Actually, like Connors is, I, I believe, the longest price, you know, because Rom is obviously one of the favorites. Uh, I believe Cameron Smith is, you know, inching closer to, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of respectability as well. It's certainly not, you know, longer. He's, yeah, got 14 to one. Yeah. And uh, Reed, I think, okay, so Reed is 60 to one. So, yeah. uh, or check that out. My book lists him at 80 to one. So, um, you know, I, 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 I for that matter, I think guys like Connors and Reed are, get really interesting because, you know, they they can shoot in the upper 60s or something round one and start to – those vibes start coming back. Then all of a sudden, like, you got guys that are 
50 to 80 to one in that area. Like you get guys like that, that start playing like guys that should be 20 to one. And you're, you're just holding a, a great ticket uh, yeah, heading into the weekend. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what, what I'm seeing with Connors, uh, the Canadian. And then I'll give you a couple long shots to round off my buys for the Masters. Um, first one being Thomas Peters, Belgian, who uh, you mentioned the WGC Dell event. Uh, Peters actually played pretty well in that and just had a couple of hard, tough breaks at the end of those events. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of like a pitcher in baseball that didn't get a lot of run support. So, uh, you know, you're, I'm taking a shot on him at a triple digit price, uh, banking on him coming in again, having played well in the WGC Dell event. And then Webb Simpson. Uh, this is one I like, too. Uh, reason form is terrible, uh, but... <laughs> I, I think that you know, sometimes we often talk about buy low, sell high guys. And I think Webb Simpson may, may be the ultimate buy low here. As I said, he's not playing well at all. Uh, but this is a play on a guy. We talk about Brooks Kepka being rock solid in majors. Uh, you know, Webb Simpson might not be as high end in terms of, you know, Brooks Kepka. although Webb Simpson has won, uh, I believe, the U.S. Open at the Olympic Club. Uh, I believe it was a decade ago now out west. But. He's another guy that you can just always count on to play well in majors. And mm-hmm. the idea, I got him at 130 to one in the outright market. And the idea of getting someone like that at that kind of price in a major is, is something that I'm going to take every time. Yeah, it was the U.S. Open in 2012. That was just one major win. Mm-hmm. But he's finished in the top 15 at all four majors. And here's the other thing I like about Webb. Uh, top uh, 20 in four straight starts yep. at Augusta National. I was just going to ask you that. What was his worst finish the last four years? 20th, yeah. 20th, right. So, uh, you know, if you just told me you're going to get that guy at 130 to 1, I'll say sign me up. So, uh, Simpson, Connors, and Peters, a couple other guys I'm looking at. And I know you have a few others that you wanted to round off with as well. Uh, yeah, I love I love the Simpson call um, for all the reasons that you mentioned, uh, and I'm going to take a not long shot at all here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take one of the uh, top players on tour for a top ten finish at two to one, uh, and that's Rory McIlroy. And, and I'm going to admit I am a Rory hater. I can't stand him. I don't know what it is, but something rubs me the wrong way. He seems like a very typical type of country club-esque type person that's got his nose stuck up in the air. Um, But that being said, you can't deny this guy's track record at Augusta. Um, He has one, two, three, four, five, six finishes within the top ten. And the other two finishes that I'm looking at that were outside of that were 21st and 25th. Um, So he's this one to get all four majors, right? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. So I, I... I, I can't go against Rory in a two to one to just finish within that top 10 that he's already done six times. Um, it, it seems like a no brainer uh, to me. Uh, the other guys that I like, um, who was my other guy? Uh, I only have one more that I'm buying on here. Um, and this is my, this is my favorite play of the tournament. Um, it's something I've been looking for, but not knowing I was looking for, for quite a long time. I, I typically take this guy to make the cut, 
um, at the majors because uh, he, he just always seems to find his way to make these cuts. Uh, and he's probably the best player, maybe besides Miguel Angel Jimenez uh, on the Champions Tour. And that's Bernhard Longer. I mean, this guy, he's a machine. I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 80-something. Um, but, like, he just he consistently plays well, no matter where he's playing at. Um, and the, the play that I found was on FanDuel. They were offering at three four plus 340 uh, for him to be the top senior player. So he has to beat out uh, Patrick Harrington, Freddie Couples, Jose Maria Alathabal, VJ Singh, Larry Mize, Sandy Lyle, and Mike Weir. And when I looked back at the recent uh, tournaments for these guys at Augusta, there's nobody that's even anywhere close uh, to what Longer's done in the past, I think it was four years or four starts that he's had um, at the Masters. So to get him at that price to me is just absolutely uh, insane. Freddie Couples, he's made a few of the cuts in recent years, uh, the most recent being in 2018 where he would he tied Longer at 38th. Outside of that, nobody in this group has beaten him uh, at Augusta. So to get him at plus 340, even right now I saw him at Fandle down to plus 300. I would take this all the way down to two to one if it was still dropping that much. Um, that's how much I love this play. Um, but he's a guy that like nobody really talks about because he's not playing consistently on the tour. He's on the Champions Tour, but the dude can get it done. He can still play, and he's one of those guys that like at, at Augusta, he probably knows it like the back of his hand. He could probably play it blindfolded and still beat most scratch golfers. So I, I love that play, and that's that. That would be my last buy. I'm gonna I'm gonna give out my one fade before I, I pass it back off to you, Greg. Yeah. Um, and this is another price that I I don't think you can beat. It's a two to one price I got on FanDuel, and that's Hideki Matsuyama to miss the cut. Um, he's got a ton of back and, and neck problems going right. on. Um, I just saw something, I think a couple of tweets come out this afternoon um, saying that he's hoping to play. And if you're taking a guy to miss the cut and you're hoping, that's usually a good sign. <laughs> um, yeah. Because who knows, he might get a start and that's all you need. Just get one hole down and I'll be happy to see you withdraw because that'll be a missed cut for us. Um, but he most recently withdrew from the Valero Texas so Open. That ticket doesn't void? Some books it does, other ones it doesn't. Um, right. Like I had him, I had him in a matchup uh, in the Valero Open where he withdrew. I know that that one cashed, um, but I think every book's kind of different. Um, but he's been having these issues since the 3rd of March, back with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, and not only is he dealing with that, but he's right. He's dealing with the pressure of defending the title, you know, like all the talk yeah. now has been about his dinner that he, he his master's yeah. dinner tonight. Um, but I feel like I don't think I personally, this is my own personal opinion from what I'm gathering of what I've been reading about and what I've seen in the last tournament. I don't think if this was any other tournament, I don't think he'd be playing. I think the fact that he's defending champion, yeah, that he feels an obligation to get out there and just right. try, you know, just to show your face, like, hey, I'm the defending champ, I'm here. But I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make it through, whether it's a withdrawal or whether he he just doesn't play well enough Mitch to make cut. the cut. Right. Um, but again, at two to one, yeah, take my money. I'm definitely going to be t- uh, taking uh, that play on a guy who's all banged up from the neck up. It seems.
Yeah, no, I definitely don't hate that. And the longer thing I think is interesting because, yeah, you normally see one of these veterans be able to put together a couple good rounds and stick around for the weekend. And, um, you know, he would be uh, a good candidate to do that. So I certainly hear you there. And, um, yeah, guys, McElroy at 2-1 to one does sound pretty juicy just to make the top 10. So, um, yeah, well, I suppose that's not what I mean. Gambling podcast, it's actually the opposite. But, um uh, you get where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll run through with some of my fades and we'll wrap things up here. Um, I'll start with a big name who I'm just not interested in, to be honest. And it's going to be Dustin Johnson, who hasn't finished in the top five at a single event since the Masters win in the COVID Masters in November of 2020. So you're talking about 18 months. Um, and I will normally fade a guy like that who's – there's normally a guy or two that's in the top. Like I said, there, there's a guy at the top of these, you know, outright market prices that will miss the cut altogether. You know, sometimes often more than one, you know, and a guy like DJ who again, hasn't finished in the top five in 18 months. Uh, somebody that I, I think you can get good value fading. Another guy who has been struggling uh, in 2022, I think is a little overvalued is Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, likable guy, rock solid in majors, but eight events this year and zero top tens on the year. So uh, Ustazen will be another fade for me. Uh, I like the Sam Burns fade here. He comes in playing so well, but he's only 25 and it's his first Masters. So I look at the eight made cuts and 11 events this year, and he's won two events. And I think that actually then gives you value to go the other way. And to step in front of him, uh, you know, as a master's rookie and expect him to underachieve uh, a few other guys, uh, guys in their 40s who I just uh, there's been no uh, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas are the only golfers to win the event at 43 or older. Paul Casey's at 44 and Bubba Watson is at 43. Uh, Bubba Watson specifically, I, I found this interesting. He's won the event twice but he's only finished in the top 10 in one of his other previous 11 starts. So kind of a high variance golfer there. Obviously those wins were, uh, you know, I believe it was 2012 and 2014. So I'll be fading Bubba Watson and the Englishman, Paul Casey, uh, in some capacity as well over the weekend at Augusta national. Any final words, Bill? Yeah, real quick. You mentioned, uh, those guys being the only, golfers over the age of 40 that um were able to get the win tiger also did it as one of the only under 25 year olds to also yeah well there you go the majority of them have fallen into that range though between 25 and 40 um and some of the other criteria that i was i think that also speaks to by the way the uh you know the sam burns fade and just the idea that you know Mm -hmm. the younger you are here normally the tougher it is to hang at this golf course exactly um but some of the other criteria that I was looking at that majority of the Masters champions have had is they've also made the cut in the previous season. Uh, they're in the top 30 in world rankings. They had a top five finish in this season. And they've also played Augusta around four or more times. Um, and if you do your research there, folks, you're going to find only a few names uh, that fall into that category and the one name that I'm going to put out there for everybody uh, that I'm definitely going to be playing, I know, Greg, you've given out a bunch of future tickets, um, but a guy that I really like 
in this one to get the job done as an outright winner, and that's that's Cam Smith. I'm going to be backing him um, in this tournament. He checks all of the boxes of the criteria that I was mentioning, um, and not only that, uh, he also has uh, the the previous tournament. Obviously, he just won, and then the tournament prior to that, he finished in 33rd. Um, so when I was going back into some of my backlog research here. That was some bonus criteria of how these players did in the tournaments that were leading up to the Masters when they won. Um, And most of them have been in really, really good form, finishing within the top uh, 30 in the previous event and top 40 in the event previous to that. So he checks all the boxes. He's got a strong track record at Augusta. I'm going to be playing Cam as my guy to win the tournament. So he's your only outright ticket altogether? Yeah, right now, unless I can find something else that's going to make me want to. Yeah, normally how you do it, you just ride one guy? No, I'll sprinkle a couple different guys. But I was going to ask you, um, because I do it, I'll I'll not only take him to win, but I'll take him to be the round one leader. Because if he's the round one leader and doesn't go wire to wire, I'm going to be very upset. Um, And a lot of times you can actually get a better price on a guy to um, be just the round one leader. Um, as opposed to win the whole tournament. So I will be doing both of those, but I was curious if that's something you ever looked at. Yeah, so. no, and that, I think that's something that I would look at more for the longer shot guys because mm-hmm. you figure, like, they're long shots for a reason. But if you like them, then they might be able to, like, you should like to think, like, if you think they can hang around or if you're going to, if you're going to use them in tourney matchups, or if you're going to use them in top 20s, top 30s, then that means you think they're going to play well for three, four rounds. Mm-hmm. And um, if that's the case, then like they got to play well for one round to kind of get off to that good start. So right. um, I, I think that's something I will definitely look at for some of the longer price guys that I have mentioned. And, um, you know, again, that speaks to the diversifying the portfolio uh, you know, and, and sometimes uh, if there's a good price on in a matchup, I mentioned the guys I'll fade. So like a golfer that I haven't mentioned at all on this pod, I might end up picking in a tourney matchup against one of my fades. If I just think that, you know, mm-hmm. that guy can beat them and it's a it's a nice price. So uh, that's the thing with golf. Again, we've talked about it. A lot of different offerings, a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, and uh, I, I, I ultimately, you know we always say it like the only enemy is the book. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I wouldn't like, for example, you know, if uh, going back to the Reed thing that i mentioned, like if he wins the tournament and you have him top 30, you know, maybe you're a little bummed that you didn't have him uh, as an outright ticket, but you never had to sweat your top 30 in that case. So, <laughs> you know, True. It, it's all, uh, you know, there's different ways to attack this thing. And we just gave you some guys you liked and uh, guys we don't like. And, uh, you know, those that are tuning in can kind of do with those names as they may and pick and choose their favorite ways to uh, buy or fade those particular golfers. So looking forward to it, Bill. What are your plans for uh, for watching over the week? I mean, obviously, it's very frustrating with the limited TV coverage, particularly yes. Thursday and Friday. But it sounds like that'll never change because the Masters is one of those events that is so – you know, married to its tradition and, you know, it's kind of annoying, but uh, what, what are the, doing anything in particular for it this weekend? 
No, no nothing nothing really planned. Just uh, trying to make the misses as happy as I can <laughs> earlier in the day so that I can catch as much coverage as I can throughout. So that's the only plan I got. All righty. Well, there he is at Larry's Locks 2 on Gambling Twitter. Bill Christie. Lucha Larry is how you know him. Follow him. Follow me at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter and shoot our guy Alex a follow at full underscore slate underscore pod managing the podcast account. Bill, thanks as always for your time. I'm sure we'll reconvene for the PGA Championship and uh, let's enjoy the best event in golf. Absolutely. Take care, man. All righty. Again, he's Bill Christie. I'm Greg Frank. This has been another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everybody enjoy the Masters and, of course, please play responsibly.